This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Today's verse comes from Numbers chapter 35 verse 19. The avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. I'm not sure which avenger is the avenger of blood, but I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out in Infinity War. My name is Ryan, and welcome to Scripture Read Badly. I am also Jeremy, and I am also here. And it is blue skies are popping outside. Is it blue skies where you are? Can you see the sky? Yeah, I have a skylight in here. Uh, it's actually grey. It's been, it's been a little bit cloudy and rainy. Unbelievable worst. Uh, and this is definitely scripture read badly. And we're into Exodus 33, mm-hmm. where it is another time where God's like, here's this awesome thing that you've been waiting for that I'm going to take you to. And the people are like, where boo. <laughs> and it's just embarrassing to read. Mm-hmm. So you have God telling Moses to leave from Mount Sinai to go up to the lands that he's promised, which for 400 years in Egypt, that's what kept them hopeful. And then the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned. Mm. Worst. Come on, people, don't mourn. Start yeah. dancing. Yeah, I mean, there was, know? there was dancing in tambourines when they crossed the Red Sea, so why not when they're leaving the mountain? Exactly. Get on that place, yep. not the mountain. Do you you know how God keeps calling it a land of milk and honey? Yeah. What is the significance of that? Like, why milk and honey? Why not gold and frankincense and myrrh? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, in my studio here, I have the capability of, uh, of doing a little bit of research. So I'm just going to do a cheeky little uh, internet search, and it hey, why says. Why are you doing that? Oh, <laughs> I've actually found it right now. Uh, the uh, the top result on Google says that we generally accept the received definition of milk and honey as a metaphor meaning all good things, God's Ooh, blessings. Nice. That the promised land must be. Uh, must have been a land of extraordinary fertility. So lots of babies. <laughs> a ton of babies in this land. Lots of babies and a f- good fertilizer, perhaps. Oh uh, yeah, in the in the, it, the crops. Yeah, the grapes the were pretty big. Or was That's it just true. the grape vine was big? I don't know. We'll get to that, won't we, with the spies when we finally get to numbers. Yeah, but I've seen that picture in those picture books of the grapes that are, like, people-sized. Yeah. So I think that's correct. I think that's an accurate depiction. Yeah, that's right. Um, everything that we see in Sunday School Pictures is uh, completely 100% accurate, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it starts with God telling Moses to get out of there. Take everybody that went there from the land of Egypt... And take them to the land of milk and honey. Um, and again, God says that he will send an angel before them. And that God will be the one that drives out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So, I think we've talked about this before, uh, about what we think it means when God says, I will go before you, or I will send my angel, or whatever, and the armies will be defeated whether it's one angel standing up against however many thousands in an army and just slaughtering them all or whether it's a metaphorical thing and he's keeping them away or confusing them or something like that casting some kind of spell on them maybe Ooh, harry potter already features (laughs) yeah harry potter does the bible isn't that our new segment um that is the new segment i will hate it (laughs) Uh, yep. I, mm, 
okay, this is a slight aside. My father was a pastor's kid, as am I. Yep. And as a result of being a pastor's kid, he had lots of restrictions laid on him. So he was not allowed to watch certain things or listen to certain radio dramas or read certain books, etc., etc., because his parents were... Uh, they wanted to be above reproach and in the world but not of it and all that type of thing and raise their kids accordingly. My dad, when he reached his late teens and early 20s, actually found that he enjoyed some of the things that his parents were supposedly opposed to, uh, whether that was certain movies or or books or Or whatever it was. Or or cocaine, exactly. And then he kind of, he developed a taste for it. Uh, but not cocaine <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so then when he had kids and when he was a pastor very early on in uh, in my parents marriage he and my mum had a conversation my mum became a Christian when she was 18 and then was in YOM by the time she was 19 and never moved back to, never moved back home so her entire yep. Christian experience basically was within a very conservative YWAM base um, yep. so her understanding of being a Christian was that you didn't watch all these movies or read these books and so on yeah. um, so then my dad said I know that you feel that way about raising our kids to be whatever supposedly pure or I don't know stay away from yep. Harry Potter that type of thing but I had restrictions laid on me and I felt like it rubbed me a little bit of what I could have enjoyed in my childhood. So my yep. dad let us watch Pokemon when my mum was very much against it. And my dad absolutely loved Dragon Ball Z, believe it or not. Yep. And my mum hated it. Uh, but we were able to watch it with dad until we were old enough to hold our own against mum. So then <laughs> we were able to kind of uh, experiment with different uh, different TV drugs. shows and, yeah, and drugs and things. Um, and and find our own that we could call uh, our own interests. And so yeah. then, uh, my dad actually loves Star Wars, and I'm sure that there are some people out there uh, that are extremely conservative that would say things like Star Wars is Buddhist or something. So you must and stay away from it. And it definitely doesn't have a Jesus narrative in it. That's right. No, not at all. Um, so we are not allowed to watch Star Wars. You know, I have an interest in it. I'm going to shield yep. you from that. Um, my dad loved it so then we grew up loving it I'm obviously obsessed with it Uh, but with Harry Potter when I was uh, I think I was five or six when the first movie came out uh, and dad went and watched it I think by himself and found that it was enjoyable and was not harmful and so then he took us to go and see it and we loved it and then Every movie that came out, we would watch them. And then eventually I ended up reading all the books. And my dad ended up reading all or most of the books as well. So then uh, I was allowed within my PK world to actually enjoy something that is supposedly uh, demonic or satanic or something. And I... I had a revelation. This is this is way off topic, and I, I acknowledge that. No, Sorry, it's not. Listeners. I'm, I'm going to bring it back in. Okay, Keep great. going. Uh, I had a revelation when I was about 19 years old. I was doing my discipleship training school with YWAM in Brisbane, and I felt like God wanted me to lay down all my interests and things that I held dear, and that included things like Pokemon and The Legend of Zelda and Star Wars and all these things that are... It just makes me sound like a complete dork, and that's that's a hundred percent true. Um, <laughs> and I felt like God wanted me to, uh, for however long, to stop listening to secular music and that type of thing, because that was something that I wasn't allowed to listen to growing up. And then there was a period of What's time. What secular where I, music? Well, I think it's music that is not Christian. What's Christian music? You can't baptize a song. No, I know that was that was where I was getting it. The uh, music is obviously it can be, uh, it can have a religion, Christian, Buddhist, <laughs> really? Hindu. No, not at all. But uh, within the uh, whatever you could buy at Kurong, I was allowed to listen to. 
<laughs> and whatever you could buy at JB Hi-Fi, I was not allowed to listen to. So mm. uh, there was a period of time where I started discovering all this music that I kind of missed out on. And I listened to some other kind of secular, quote-unquote secular versions of bands <laughs> that, that I would listen to from Kurong. And I started yep. really enjoying it. And then I felt like God showed me that I had a really sensitive spirit. And that if oh, I... Yeah. If I got too far away from things that were rooted in him, that I would yep. kind of let myself get influenced a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I got rid of all that music and all of it, I think I had gotten illegally anyway. So I just got rid of it all and said, that's it. I don't, I'm not going to listen to that for now. And the types of movies and TV shows and things that I was watching, I made sure it was very much uh, holistic in the... Yep. Uh, in the the months following that revelation and then then i felt like it was okay for me to reintroduce different elements of things that i had enjoyed growing up and uh, yeah. it was kind of like being on a diet like a spiritual diet with the media that i was taking in so i, yeah. I kind of cut back to the very very bare bones and so i was listening to worship music which i don't really like and i was listening to some uh i was only watching these christian documentary videos and things like that things that i don't really enjoying either um but for that time that was what i needed and then i reintroduced uh certain movies and reintroduced certain bands and things until i got to the point where i feel like i have a way healthier perspective on the media that i consume now um yeah and so I haven't really gone back and watched Harry Potter or I, I haven't seen the new Fantastic Beast movie uh, or, or anything like that since I was 19. So this is five years ago that I had this kind of revelation and I don't really feel a desire to, to become obsessed with it like I did yeah. at the time when I was a teenager. So now I'm, I feel like if I were to watch these new movies that are coming out as a spin-off of Harry Potter or if I were to read the books again or something like that, then I would have a healthier understanding of what is good, what to leave there in the theatre, and what I can see Jesus through, Yeah, I guess. So that's that's what I was saying. So that's everything. Sorry about yeah. how it took no, no, five no, minutes to No, no, but with that, that, you know when it gets to the king, the kingships in Israel mm-hmm. and God's very adamant about them not marrying into other cultures right with the pretext being that they will probably become or get dragged away from God because of these wives other beliefs yeah with what you're saying that it was like a season in your life do you think God was really adamant about that because um, with great power comes this great influence and so if they do get dragged away then their influence is over the whole nation mm. so God was like I'm going to be extra strong with you that you're not allowed to intermarry because of those things right because it doesn't seem like he's that adamant about other people marrying other cultures because he even encourages them to sometimes after big battles mm-hmm. he's like take take some of the women for your own if you want because and even with the benjamin tribes when they were almost genocided yeah they actually needed to intermarry yeah and then god doesn't seem to be super anti oh some some people would argue that you shouldn't marry someone that doesn't have faith but then there's that whole flirt to convert right (laughs) (laughs) i'm fairly sure that's very biblical actually it's super biblical flirt to convert Um, But it's just interesting that you talk about seasons, like Mm. that it's not that you consider this other art evil, Mm -hmm. but it's more your capacity and your conscience at the time, which I think is also that whole of the world in the world. I think there are times that we need to step out of the world in quotation marks. But then we're supposed to live in it, so figuring out a way how to be so obsessed with God that we aren't easily influenced. Yeah. Yeah. Which does come up a lot in the next few books that we'll go through. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that, I guess, could be construed as background for uh, for what God has... He's already said. He's already said things like, I don't want you to be like the nations that you're going to encounter, yep. and I will defeat, I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I'll get rid of all of them because I don't want them to influence you negatively. So yep. I, I guess he's saying you are going to be very susceptible to the influence of these other nations, especially at the time when you are first entering the land. Yep. So I want you to be set apart. I want you to be holy as I am holy. Um, and he, he's given that command many, many, many times throughout Scripture yep. already, and then he gives it way more times in the, the books to come. Um, yep. So it is interesting that God, uh, we have already seen that, that God has labeled these people as stiff-necked people. And again, he does it in verse 3 of chapter 33, which is where we are. Uh, he says, Lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Um, that's why he will go up before them, not go up among them. What do you think that means? Um, it could be that whole tension of because God is so holy he can't control oh no no that's probably not a good way to speak it um, like when Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed it's like so intense and so justified in quotation marks right. that she can't even look back at it because if she does she'll be consumed and then she is mm -hmm. and that tension and then the tension of maybe he doesn't want the people to see God's violence because then they will be influenced to see him in a certain way right okay because then they won't be traumatised hmm and well, trauma seems to be something God doesn't like taking us through yeah, or at the very least, so that they won't have bad theology about him. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that doesn't really hold up because then that's like God hiding part of His character from His people, so yeah. that they won't see Him like that. And but, they have already seen Him kill all the firstborn, and they've also already seen the flood overtake the Egyptians. Yeah. So maybe yeah, it's weird that. Lest I consume you on the way. Or maybe it's referring to that second part of the sentence, for you are stiff-necked people. Maybe they have decided and made conscious decisions to be sinful in this moment, but God's like, no, I have to keep you alive because that's what I said, so I can't have you near my punishment moments. Mm. Otherwise, I'll punish you at the same time or something. I don't know. Yeah, this is a little bit confusing. Let's see what the ESV Study Bible has to say about it. Ooh, there you go. Today it, I'm reading from the ESV Journaling Bible. Ooh. And someone hasn't journaled in this part, so I don't have any backstory. <laughs> uh, so this says, regarding these uh, first eight verses, uh, the Lord instructs Moses to lead the people toward the land of Canaan and promises again that an angel will go before them. But because Israel is a stiff-necked people, the Lord says he will not go up among them so as not to destroy them. When Moses intercedes on Israel's behalf, he will ask that the Lord go with Israel particularly because of their condition and their need for his pardon. So that doesn't shed any light on it whatsoever, but it does do a good <laughs> job of summing up these uh, first eight verses. So Israel mourns when they hear these... Uh, quote unquote disastrous words um, that God won't be among them that he'll go before them and no one puts on his ornaments uh, does your study bible say what an ornament is? I'm assuming it's a bauble and, and tinsel like oh, at Christmas yep. time all of them have Christmas baubles yeah yeah, that's right um, no it doesn't say anything about what ornaments are but my guess is it'd be things like jewelry and uh, uh, bangles 
Do people wear bangles anymore around their wrists? Uh, I don't. But okay. I was watching an episode of the Gilmore Girls the other night, and she got some for her present for her birthday. So there you go. Late two thousands. Yep. Yep. Still wearing bangles. Come on. I wonder if there were any scrunchies that people were putting on that could be construed as ornaments. Just made out of like cat neck. Yeah. Cat neck scrunchies. <laughs> yep. Yep. So take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. So mm. he d- <coughs> God didn't know what to do with them if they were wearing their Christmas baubles? <laughs> yeah, they kind He's of... He's like, uh, oh, I don't know what to do. They interfere with his his powers. Yeah, his <laughs> It's like kryptonite for God, Christmas yeah. baubles. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's skip this part. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to the tent of If meeting. anyone knows what that is about, please email in... Uh, your own podcast <laughs> and we'll just put it in our stream at scripturereadbadly at gmail.com thank you everyone yeah if, if you actually have a correction for us or something interesting to add to something that we've said then you can just record a voicemail and send it to us that would be awesome and we could play it on wonderful. the show and you'll make us sound bad okay uh, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far off from the camp and he called it the tent of meeting so it's far outside the camp interesting maybe that's so that he doesn't have the distraction of everyone around him true uh maybe he was just an introvert and wanted his alone time uh possibly both stay away guys i'm at the office uh and everyone who sought the Lord would have to go okay that makes sense they would have to make an effort to go out to the tent of meeting Ah, all right. And it was a couple million people, supposedly, so I'm sure it wouldn't be that easy to go all the way out to the the tent of meeting. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent, like some kind of silent stare as, as he was walking I wonder how Moses felt was he looking at people as he went past yeah, and just like waving like yeah. the queen <laughs> yeah <laughs> like some I'm kind going of into the tent now you guys one man parade or or like he was uh, he got married and they kind of did the arch and he had to go through the, uh, the arch made of <laughs> hands and stuff um, that was definitely a lot harder to get out of at my wedding than I expected oh really yeah, uh... Because people were trying to hug you and do the arch? No, no, no. I mean, everyone was actually doing the arch, but then Fee's little brother and my little brother, who were opposite each other because they're brothers and annoying, they did their arms really low, so I just went, that's it, just barged right through it. I'm not going all the way <laughs> under that. Have you seen the size of Fiona's dress? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I was protecting and providing a clear way yeah. through. You like, gotta. Like a good husband. Um, That's your job. Yes, yes it is. Okay, so... I don't know. Was Moses actually looking at the people? Or was he just staring straight ahead, trying not to make eye contact? <laughs> what was the he look runs. Like? Do you think they would have had... Uh, maybe... Anxious looks on their face? Do you think they would have just been like... Uh, people watching? Like out on the, the front veranda looking at people as they go by oh I wonder what his story is oh, I wonder, wonder where he's going like a couple well, of old men I... sitting down on some lawn chairs yeah. lawn chairs are the best and they're so easy to transport mm-hmm. but if it happened often maybe it was their attempts to be like yay God's going to talk to us and that's what we really want right yeah yeah you would hope it's that yes not, I hate being here why do we have to do this yeah, so it's interesting that uh, they had the whole golden calf fiasco, and now yep. they're going from place to place, um, the tent of meeting, and people are just... I don't know, I wonder... I suspect they were a little bit uh, anxious about what was going to come back, whether they were afraid that their sin would be found out or that they had done something wrong again but then that that probably would have just been a a bad 
that would have just been bad theology because God is full of grace and they knew that at that time. So, yeah. I wonder. Hey, listeners, what do you think people were were thinking when Moses was walking past? Do you think it was good thoughts, bad thoughts? Do you want to draw a picture of these people staring Moses down? That would be awesome. That would be very awesome. Okay, we uh, need pictures. Yeah, whatever happened to the pictures that we kept asking people to do in season one that nobody did? Oh yeah, the picture of Esau and the flood and stuff. Yeah. All right, that was sad. Okay, uh, I guess we've just taken over that mantle, haven't we? Drawing pictures for ourselves. That's it. Definitely. No one's going to do this. We'll do it. But the invitation's still out there. If you want to draw anything that we are reading about, then please, please. Please send in your pics. Okay. Uh, when all the people saw that there was a cloud pillar that would descend when Moses was in it, uh, it says they would rise up and worship each of his tent doors. So I guess that's them saying, God is with us. He hasn't abandoned yep. us. This is great. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that type of thing. Thank you, Jesus. Especially thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Joshua. Which is kind of what He's it like, became. I haven't done nothing. <laughs> oh, he went in too. When oh, yeah. Moses turned again into the tent, his assistant Joshua would not depart from the tent. So maybe, yeah. Thank you, J- J- Jesus. Joshua, you son of a nun. Yep, son Classic of a nun. guy. Um, uh, yep. Yeah, that's, that is interesting that it says young man. Um... I wonder how young it means. How how young do you think it means? 16? Yeah? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because it's still a while till Moses dies, but I suppose Moses is like a billion years old, so compared I, to him, I think, a 50-year-old would be young. Yeah, I'm more inclined to think that he was around 30 or 40. Um, oh. Because I think Joshua and Caleb were the oldest people among the generation that entered Canaan. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure it says something like whoever is 18 years or older will not enter the promised land, but then I guess if he was 16, then he would be one of the oldest, but he wouldn't be the absolute oldest. But I I think there is actually an account, a description somewhere that, uh, that Joshua and Caleb were old men and I, we could probably look at how old they were when they died and count backwards, but who wants to do that? Yeah, but who's got time for that? I know. Anybody got time for that? <coughs> um, so Moses intercedes for the people of Israel. We saw intercession uh, by the likes of Abraham in the past. Um, yep. And already Moses and Aaron when they were saying, no, no, please, I know they've done something wrong, but please just, if you're going to destroy them, then destroy me as well. And that kind of changes God's mind, so to speak. Um, So Moses intercedes again and says, you haven't let me know whom, whom, as an M, whom you will send with me to this, uh, to the land of Canaan. And he pleads with God to show him God's ways uh, if he's found favor in God's sight. And what do you think about that uh, that kind of stipulation that people ask in the Old Testament of God? They say, if I have found favor in your sight. I know it's quite a uh, it's a thing that people would do to kings and things to, to receive pardon and stuff. Surely it implies a level of confidence on behalf of the person that says it? Or a a level of um, just-in-case non-confidence. Like, it's the same, I think, when people use that verse of uh, you don't know what's going to happen today because God will choose what he will choose. And that makes people say, oh, I'll see you tomorrow if I'm still alive. And I'm like, oh, that's gross. Yeah. (laughs) Because either you believe God is a God of chaos and wouldn't like give you a heads up Mm. or he's a God of chaos that he'll just take you out for no apparent reason. Yeah. 
And so sometimes I think it's an excuse. And so maybe Moses, who knows God the best of anyone, is not entirely sure of his standing with God. So he's just putting in that just in case. Hey, I know we're good friends, but just in case we're not, hmm. I hope you'll allow me to have this sure. answer. But if he didn't have some kind of assurance that he was a friend of God, like if if Joe Blow from out, out in the, uh, the tribe of the, the Gadites or something like that um, comes up to the tenant meeting and says... If I found favor in your sight, even though we don't know if he has any history with God whatsoever, we've yep. seen that Moses has uh, some kind of right standing with God to this yeah. point. So surely Moses would think, God sent all these things through me. I can have some measure of confidence when I'm speaking to him that he will listen, yep. um, at the very least to hear me out. Um I don't I don't think anyone that was unsure of their standing at a base level uh, with God would say if I found favor in your sight yeah because that would they would be uh, quite afraid I think of a, of a negative response whereas Moses knows that he and God are, are chums so he has some he has confidence to say God will hear me out, but maybe he's saying that just in case God won't uh, listen and do what he has to uh, to request. Maybe. Yeah, or his confidence, or his confidence and boldness is so high, but he knows how powerful God is, so his respect is also high. So right, okay. It's not that he isn't sure; he's very sure, but he just is being respectful. All okay. Right. Yep. That's, I could agree with that's that. That's cool. Um, great. So then God says... Uh, my there be light. Yeah. <laughs> and there was light. Back to Genesis. Great. Uh, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Now, out of context, verse 14 is actually quite a, a nice, reassuring verse. Um, yep. And I'm sure God has spoken to me through it in the past. It just says... Yep. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And there have been times yep. when that's exactly what I've needed to hear. But yep. with this context, we know that Moses is asking for... He is pleading for God to go with the people that God clearly doesn't want to go with. <laughs> um, yeah. So then God's response is, you've asked me and I will do it because yep. you had the confidence to ask me and not only will I go with you but I will give you rest um, nice I do like that I do like that um, and then Moses further presses his point and says if your presence will not go with us or with me don't bring us up from here uh, for how shall it be known that I have found favour in your sight I and your people so then he's saying what will the people around think if you're not with us? Yeah. Will, will they think God brought them out of Egypt? But are they church bells in the background? Yeah. Wow. Oh, you can hear them. Yeah, I can. It sounds like Age of Empires. <laughs> I'm um, legitimately 50, 50 meters from the bell. Nice. Nice. I love I'm church bells. I've never actually looked at it ring. It rings at weird times. Sometimes at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then, oh, I know why, because it's Easter week. Oh. So they're just having heaps of different events. Today, mm. apparently, they wash everyone's feet. Oh. Well, that's what Jesus did at the Last Supper. Yeah. So I think priests all over the city just wash people's feet. Okay. Whoa, I should go down and see if the bishop's here. I love the bishop. He's the best. <laughs> the one that you farted in front of? Uh, yes. <laughs> I have to ring him today about the week after Easter, and hopefully I won't fart in front of him again. <laughs> don't don't fart on the phone. Okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> um, so it's just kind of more of the same, very formal wording 
Moses saying, please go with us. God saying, I'll go with you. Then Moses saying, you're going with us. And then God, then God says, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> in so many words. Um, that's, it's actually really funny. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found yep. favor in my sight, and I know you by name, <laughs> which is things that he'd already said. Okay. Um, yep. So, again, it's just reiter- reiterating the fact that Moses has interceded for the people of Israel. Even yep. th- this is this is interesting. It was seemingly a punishment that God wouldn't be with the uh, the Israelites tangibly when they went into the promised land. But he yeah. said that he would go before them and still do the same thing that he would do if he was with them. He would drive them yeah. out and all that. I wonder, I wonder, if Moses hadn't interceded, if it would have been different. Because we do know that the people being the ones responsible for driving the nations out led to them making some kind of alliance with some people and just not yeah. caring about others that that ends up coming around to bite them in the butt and yeah. uh, and and that that type of thing so they kind of cause their own problems by being the ones responsible for driving them out whereas if Moses hadn't interceded God would have driven them out they would have walked into an empty land what do you think about yeah. that um I don't necessarily think. I think, and maybe one. This is one of those things that had nothing to do with the outcome, but had to do with the relationship. Like the people were filled with confidence because God said they were with Him, or He was with them. Hmm. Um. Yeah. This, okay, so looking at this chapter before we started, I was like, oh, this is just another chapter in Exodus. I don't have to pre-read it, but I should have pre-read it. There's so much stuff in here. Even, like, uh, where is it? Don't give that, away the show fact me, that we Show me your glory line, which is a huge part of uh, worship from now on. Like, the people just wanted to see his glory because yeah. then they'd know he was God, but then... Uh, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live mm-hmm. but then we get to see Jesus like people get to see Jesus and people get to see the theophanies all through the Bible and is that not God and those people lived mm. although people that saw Jesus didn't live they died ultimately but <laughs> not instantly Yeah. and then this is that huge part where he gets to see God's back but then does God have a back or is it just poetic or is it Jesus? Like a giant version of Jesus walks past? It didn't even have to be Jesus giant. It, it could have just been the angel of the Lord. Yeah, but then, just a tiny back person. Yeah, but then with those theophanies, with the angel of the Lord that we see elsewhere, it seems as though people can see him, or at least know that he's there. Yeah. So, ay, ay, ay. So, going in with God at their back, is it different than him just going in front of them and maybe he just still did too but he was also with them at the same time mm-hmm. but and then the whole thing of d- does God change his mind and is God changed by human choice and so this seems to be that that God made a decision I will not come with you because I'll punch you in my righteous anger or I'll get mm. irritated and kick you or something like that and then Moses stands there and is like, no, but we really want you to be with us and I need to know if you'll be with us or not. And then he's like, yeah, and in fact, I'm going to show you my back. Yeah. Hmm. So it looks like that humans do change God or at least not change him as a person or a God, but changes his mind in the midst of things. Or it's another of those things where it's been written this way, but that's not how it happened. Like, yeah. people just explained their limited revelation of God as, oh, we changed his mind, but really it wasn't that. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep, definitely going to read chapters beforehand. So, I have a, a quick question about the end of this chapter. 
Does that, I love quick questions. Does God walking by Moses actually happen here? Or does it happen in the next chapter? I'm just kind of confused. You know, because my hand he says that he's going to walk by. He's going to pass by and put him in the cleft of the rock, whatever that means. And cover him with his hand, whatever that means. Yep. Um, and then he'll take away his hand, whatever that means. And his back will be seen, whatever that means. But I don't see, narratively, this actually taking place in chapter 33. Um, True. So maybe it didn't actually happen. He just said that he will do that as they walk along. Like he will be with you and it's Hmm. a poetic thing. Yes, perhaps. Man. Um, All right. Um, Well, we can... (laughs) Oh, yeah, in the end of 34, 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. So he probably saw his back then. Right, okay. Yep. And his face was shining. Anyway, I just skipped the whole chapter. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now for chapter 35. Just kidding. Um, okay, well, that kind of brings us to a close with chapter 33. And we've, we have discussed some interesting things in this episode. Yep. For example, God saying he's not going to be with him. What exactly milk and honey means. Um, mm. What the heck God was talking about when... Or what the the people were afraid of, or what they thought as Moses would walk past to go to the tent of meeting, uh, that all got really confusing. Um, yeah. But then with this last part, Moses's intercession, it seems to be fairly straightforward. Moses is saying, "Please be with us for the sake of your people, for the sake of relationship." And so then that kind of makes sense. If God had gone yeah. off by himself and driven out all these people then the people would have missed out on seeing God at work. They would have just shown up and received something. Um, So it's like working for payment as as opposed to just being given something. Um, Yeah. So it it takes on a little bit more meaning. Um, But then Moses is also bold enough to say... I want to see you. I want to see you physically. I've seen the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. I've seen all these crazy things that happened in Egypt. I saw the burning bush, but I want to actually see the the, the tangible, the physical manifestation of God. Yeah. And that's kind of where we leave off with with this chapter. Jeremy, what are your thoughts about this? About this whole chapter in general? This whole chapter for me starts and is coloured very much by that whole attitude of God saying, hey, I'm going to take you to the place I've always told you that I was going to take you and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to come with you because I have to go do this other thing for you. And they're like, (laughs) wah. And so part of like Moses' reaction is whoa, I need to placate these people and make them feel good, so I'll go talk to God about staying with us yeah. so that they'll be okay with going. Mm. And and his argument is solid because if the people who aren't a warring nation, they're just a refugee camp, walk into this promised land full of warring nations, they're going to be creamed. Yeah. So without God, they have no hope at all. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it makes sense. But at the same time, he's taken them out of Egypt and he's taken them through the wilderness and he deserves glory and he deserves to be taken serious that he'll keep them alive and still the people are like, where? And we do that all the time. Yeah. So it's not like only they did it. And this weekend, (laughs) because we're recording this the week of Easter. Yeah. And Easter is so fun because this is similar for us. We're, we're remembering that Jesus came and died so that we could war against death and win mm-hmm. and go to the place of milk and honey, which is going to be so good. Yeah. So much milk and so much honey. <laughs> I made fresh pasta last night Whoa, and it went pretty good. I think I want to make... Uh, what's the... Raviolis. I think I want to make raviolis nice. today. 
so yeah, I think this chapter is interesting, and I kind of want to read it again after this. Hmm. Because it's, once again, also Moses' intercession, which is fun to think that we can... And he's like a precursor to Jesus being the ultimate intercessor. Yeah. And even he... Ha- like, Jesus has so much respect for God that at the end he's saying... Uh, I know we're close, but if you can take this away from me, that'd be great, because I really don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. So that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, it's definitely an interesting snapshot into this whole... Uh, this whole scenario everything that's happened up to this point to get israel out to mount sinai and everything that happened on mount sinai and at the foot of mount sinai uh, the whole thing with the golden calf how quickly they were uh they were asking aaron to melt down their gold and make an idol for them at the same time seemingly that god was telling them to not make any idols uh it's just so so curious how everything up to this point has happened and we do I feel like we get a an understanding of the fallen nature of the nation of Israel because yeah. th- there are these outstanding people that we have seen Moses being obviously the first and foremost but then also Aaron and to a certain extent back in chapter 15 or whatever with Miriam there seems to be this kind of uh and the elders and stuff people seem to be in fairly good standing with god yet yeah. yet these crazy things are happening that just don't really make logical sense yeah uh on the back of everything they've seen god already do for them so i think maybe there might have been some psychological trauma that some people were experiencing uh as a result of being slaves and then being yeah. in the wilderness and then seeing all this crazy stuff, maybe maybe people had a certain level of PTSD. I don't know. Yeah, but highly likely. Yeah, because traumatic uh, traumatic stress can occur not only with major things like wars and everything but it can occur with smaller things like being told over and over and over and over that uh, certain things are bad and then you find out that they're not and then you have a really hard time reconciling your mentality with reality and so then these people being told they're worthless and they're nothing and that they don't deserve deliverance and they deserve to be slaves are suddenly freed so some of them might not really know how to function, kind of like in Shawshank Redemption when the old guy gets out of the library and then hangs himself. Sorry if you haven't seen that movie. Um, Spoiler it, alert! It just, that's just like Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like Mulan. And I'm sure people in Mulan had PTSD as well. So it's... Uh, but I don't believe that God is so clueless that he would leave... Uh, that he would lead an entire nation full of these PTSD riddled people into the wilderness. I don't believe that they would have been suffering maybe as much as a non-God-focused nation would. So if... if, Mm, Let me try and rephrase that. If there was two and a half million Australians, some of whom knew God, but some of whom didn't, who were yep. captured during a war and then God and then there were slaves for 40 years I'm sure there would be this kind of underground church thing happening but then if they yep. were delivered and had to sustain themselves as their own little nation with the the, the God-fearing ones as the leaders yep. I'm sure that the God-fearing mentality of the leaders and the elders would not be reflected by ev- absolutely everybody in the camp. So True. there would be probably a lot more uh, mental instability these days Whoa. if something right. like that happened, as opposed to back I then never... when everybody saw everything that happened. Yeah. And you, it was completely undeniable that God uh, intervened with things. But still, like, I've never thought of that before, that 
the the elites and a small fraction of the two and a half million had solid faith and then the rest of them are not at all faithful hmm. that could be that how it was but it might not be I don't know but it could like it's highly likely that not every one of those two and a half million believed that God existed or at least that God cared oh heaps more would think that I think mm-hmm. okay. I spent a lot of my youth believing that God existed but I didn't think he cared mm. okay whoa that's ridiculous Cause, yeah. because then your parallel ideal of Australians is the perfect explanation because heaps of Australians who had gone through a war and imprisonment would have no faith, zero faith and there would definitely be an underground church thing but it wouldn't be that strong mm-hmm. and they'd be heaps traumatised what? <laughs> Why do we come up with these good things just before we're right at the very end? The I know, I know. Well, maybe we can do a bonus episode about that. Um, All right, I'm just going to write no faith in Jew- <laughs> no faith hashtag Jews. Oh yeah, I'll remember what that means. <laughs> All right, I, uh, we had we have trivia every Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and this week people just kept saying cool stuff but I couldn't use my phone because that's cheating Yeah. so I had to write all these weird notes that I didn't understand in the next morning <laughs> and they've just started like appearing in my days like my friend Chris will be like oh yeah did you think about this from the other night and I was like that's what I wrote down <laughs> what <laughs> my notes are ridiculous anyway I need to go to the other room to um, refresh myself. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, that's a polite way to say it. I, I will leave you all with a little bit of advice, and it is that if you Ooh. live in a room that has windows, use them. Because oh, true. I'm currently oh, living in a room that only has a skylight that we cannot open or close. Oh. Uh, so, ventilation is very important. Make sure you stay ventilated and make sure that you stay warm if you are cold and cool if you are hot that's that's all the advice i've got for you this time very good advice all right well with that said my name is ryan and my name is jeremy and if you this is scripture badly yes and if you tune in a few more days then you will listen to another one of our episodes or if you're listening to these in the future in whatever order you listen to them in then have fun going through at your own pace. All right, that's it. (laughs) Bye. See you.